This is PowerQuest, live from the heart of Brooklyn. PowerQuest is an hour-long podcast about everything in and relating to technology. With three techno experts, Eric Newman, hi, Wayne Chang, hello, and Keith Whitney, howdy. This week's episode, Exciting Exploits. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Poll Request number 74. My name is Eric Newman, and across from me is the wonderful, the poof of hair that I can only see because I can't see your face because you're behind a fake isolation booth, Wayne Chang. Hi. Thank you. you. The hair is the most redeeming quality I have. Uh, you know, it's the same for me, too, but I'm under a hat because I need a haircut. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's it's a little it's a little terrible. But, you know, at least we're not going bald, right? That's nice. Yeah. Fuck, I'm going... Um, yes, and across across from you to complete the coding triangle of love, we have our third person back again, Keith Whitney. Hi, how are hey, you? I'm okay. Now you have me thinking about my biggest fear, though. What's your biggest fear? Going bald? Yeah, going bald. That's my biggest fear about getting cancer. Actually, Ooh. is that the, is it's not about the cancer, about the pain, about the chemo. It's that if I when I get the chemo, I'm gonna lose my hair. Yeah, I I would look so much uglier without hair. <laughs> I just like I have a couple friends who are going bald and it's like their head shape like like I mean it sucks to lose your hair but like it's not they're not gonna look too bad without it but if I lost it it would just woof. I have like a I can't even wear beanies like I have a peanut M&M shaped head and when I wear a beanie it kind of accentuates that shape so that's what I'm gonna look like a cone head if I lost my you're hair. really not selling yourself right now that's why I do a podcast I also have some purple pants that I finally got. You know, I wore exclusively black jeans for like the last two or three years. And I finally, because it's 2019, new year, new you, new man, new me. I uh, said that out of order. New year, new you, new me, new man. There we go. I try, I uh, I bought some bright purple pants and some bright green pants that I haven't worn out, uh, yet. Um, what kind of material are they? Denim. All right. Yeah. How, it's Tight? Tight I mean, denim? It, you know, they're skinny jeans. Okay. But I live in Bushwick, and I feel like purple pants kind of go with the the air, the uh of uh, of hipsterland where we are, gentrified Brooklyn. Um, and I also just I don't want to look like I write code all day, even though I do. I really uh, hope anyone you date doesn't listen to the last <laughs> two three minutes of this podcast. Why? You just you you sell yourself so well. What? I'm saying that purple and, pants are not good. I'm saying that's in a positive light, and that well, I have plenty of like hair. you look like bald. No, I said if I, if I went bald. Bald and with purple pants. I'm not bald, and I do have purple pants, and they fit. And I got many compliments this week for wearing them. Anyway, I got a... Uh, where is... Oh, my iPad's all the way over here. Why is that? I haven't done the show in a little while. Um, I got a new video card for my Hackintosh. That's right. Uh, oh. People have laughed at me in the past for running a fake Macintosh, yeah. and that the, it's a it's a it's it's one hell of a kludge just to get it up and running. But yeah. yet, I walked six miles to Micro Center in Brooklyn, got myself a new GTX 1070 Ti eight gigabyte graphics card, plugged it in, and it worked first try. Wow. I know it's great. Isn't that's it? great. It's almost like it's a real computer where you can just plug and play, and it's. it's Except any part is liable to break at any time, and there's I no support not at all any for software any software updates in many months. But this, I don't do anything nefarious on this computer. You I, know, I the like com- I like when developers 
ask for alternative to MacBook, and people just go, "You can, you can make do, a hackintosh. You can make a hackintosh." <laughs> at, oh yeah, just ask your company to provide a hackintosh. Well, me, oh yeah, of yeah, course that'll, totally that'll happen. Oh, let's add, yeah, make sure that the hackintosh is the developer image. It, yeah, it has. The, yeah, it's got the corporate image on exactly. it. Exactly. Um, yeah, but you know what? I mean, on the flip side, uh, Chrome is not allowing uh, video acceleration on uh, Linux. Google is not allowing Chrome to have uh, video acceleration on Linux. Are they not allowing it, or... It just doesn't exist, and they don't care. That's really usually the issue. I urgently request this feature. That's from 2016. It hasn't been fixed. It hasn't been solved. Doesn't it also not have DRM support? Right? Well, like, you know you what? Can't, you're not you watching any video if you're no, not using any GPU no, no, accelerations. What does it matter? Well, I'm um, thinking about Spotify web player. You can't do that on Chromium. Uh, Chromium, you can download the Wild Vine... Uh, DRM plugin, and that's available for like it doesn't come with Chromium. If you download Google Chrome, it should have it. Interesting. Does Chrome? But, but there's have a separate the... Wild Vine DRM plugin, and I know because but... I use Cute Browser, and to be able to do it, I had to download that. Now, Cute is based off of Chromium, right? Yeah. Do you have video acceleration? I don't. Have you I, watched the video? Have I, you? Can you go to YouTube in Vim? Yeah, I'm sure, in your it works. Browser? One yeah. frame at a time. 1080p. I, One FPS. There's no. I mean, there's no reason to do any of those things, really. I mean, just disable JavaScript while you're at it, right? I mean, what's the point? So uh, I, I used to do that. <laughs> it's just there's no easy plugin to do that now. What disable uh, JavaScript on Cute Browser? Oh, no. I was gonna say NoScript has always been around. Yeah, I use NoScript. Pretty exclusively. Yes. Uh, how, how is the experience with NoScript? I mean, the modern web relies on JavaScript to function, so you really kind of have to use it. But if yeah. you live in your developer land of everybody's right. just writing these pages from scratch and they look like terminal windows anyway, then you don't really need it. Everything's a lot faster. The, yes, of course. You know, you know, Linux, if you don't run a windowing manager, is actually a lot faster, too. By the way, there's someone, of course, we forgot to introduce to the show, our lovely studio audience. Yes, give us a round of applause, please. <laughs> Wonderful people. Yes, I'm sorry. Ignoring. You didn't get rid of that girl who says woo. <laughs> I complained about her last week. So I know. And what did I tell you? You don't to have find an HR enough, process here. To, to find enough people, enough, enough, enough people to fill a studio audience, to listen to us. We need everyone we can get. I feel like when that audience member says, woo, it pierces into my heart. Too many woo girls yeah. in Wayne's childhood. Well, were you filming this them is through the slits in the bathroom stalls? That <laughs> might be why. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on to, or I should say, speaking of jobs, uh, Node has a new version, 11.9, which I'm sure is going to be broken or is going to break a bunch of stuff. Uh, they have uh, worker threads, which is something that doesn't necessarily exist in JavaScript, but Node is now adding as their own thing. And it's just, you can just do worker equals require worker underscore threads. Uh, workers threads are useful for performing CPU-intensive JavaScript operations, but they will not help with much I.O. work. Node's Built-in async I.O. operations are more efficient than workers can be. Unlike child process or cluster, worker threads can share memory. They do so by transferring array buffer instances or sharing shared array buffer instances. I mean, this is a common problem that Note has. If you have junior developers who write CPU-intensive code, 
Um, I don't think that solves this because you have to pretty explicitly spawn. But if you're writing node-based microservices, then you could definitely take advantage of some kind of worker thread. Yeah, but you have to explicitly be aware um, of the like of the processing implications of the code you're writing, and then to understand that it's going to disrupt um, it serving out other pages or other code. Well, um, maybe there was code that needed to be concurrent but couldn't be before, and now, like, can you could you think of an example of something that? you know, possibly shouldn't be, but is implemented in JavaScript and then would be what is, is fighting against the lack of concurrency. Oh, I, it's just, uh, so, I mean, the common CPU intensive stuff is all mathematics related. Usually like, do a Fibonacci sequence or something, but uh, you got to stay on the, got to stay yeah, on the center there. It, it's just, it's more the case of, um, if you're not the developer aware that you're writing, like if the, if a junior developer writes a CPU-intensive uh, code and, and you don't recognize that, it's going to have bad implications regardless. And it, there's just no automatic way of handling it, right? It's not like Node is going, oh, I know that's going to be pretty CPU-intensive. I'll spawn a worker for that because that's technically what you want. Uh, someone has to explicitly go, we need to isolate this into a worker. Ah. By the way, I think I just figured out why it sounds like you guys were kind of cut off the... I yeah. own. It's because um, as part of the quest for pro audio, uh, which is basically unattainable in a small Brooklyn apartment like this, um, I have a noise gate on to eliminate the room noise because I'm so loud that I just pick up on everyone's mics and we don't have, it's not a real studio. We don't have real isolation between us. So I'll just like, and trying to figure out, I mean, you see how I've walled the whole wall, I mean, everything is walled with insulation. It's not enough. I honestly believe we've got to do the ceiling or part of the ceiling. Just get those egg cartons ready. Yeah, I got a, I got a whole sack of them outside. You saw that. But um, anyway, so that's, so that's that is that uh, the hard part about noise gating is that if the, I, we, can, we, have the, we have the signal going in and it, need, it, it needs to be compressed in terms of uh, in in terms of wave amplitude, that's what audio compression is. So it takes the highs and the lows and it compresses them together. So it's more homogeneous in terms of volume. Now, what happens is the noise gate has a threshold to where if the signal is lower than the threshold, it's going to cut it off and just basically reduce it to zero. When Wayne talks in a low voice and kind of wavers from the microphone, it that's enough for it to dip below the threshold, even after it's been compressed and it cuts them off. Now, what happens is when you're right at the threshold, in order to tune this properly, it, it creates very jarring artifacts when you're close, but, not, but when it's not tuned properly. As in, like, if I say a syllable, but the first syllable is louder, you'll hear all of the room noise in the first half of the word, but not the second half because the noise gate cuts in. Basically, please stay on mic, Wayne, because it's a lot harder to process this show. <laughs> without the the best quality audio we can get going in. It should just know when I'm about to talk and it should. take place one second before I begin speaking. You know, I didn't get the Apple microphone. That might be why. Uh, that makes sense. How do we go from threads to noise gating? Right. So, Oh, well, because well, cause, cause one of you were cutting off while you were talking. Going back to the... threads, I want to know, if are these P threads that Node is using, or are they more green threads? Because uh... P threads are entirely... Within nodes control, right? 
I don't know. But a green Duh. thread would be a hybrid between What's a green node thread? control and the OS. So it pulls threads uh, you know, before I don't handing threads over to the OS. That. It just says they're all workers. Is main thread. Doesn't go do uh, part of a worker thread. Use green threads? I don't yeah, know. You're talking about MN thread scheduling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, go, so... There are different ways to do multi-threading. Um, one example is Java uses operating system threads, but there's a cost associated with it, and Go decides to manage this on its own. And I think in this case, Node is likely doing the same. I mean... There's also, by the way, a coroutines.js file that uh, is not related to this at all, but... <laughs> if you wanted to do some kind of I mean, basic, uh, I think coroutines.js actually does do green threads, but I don't know how that works. The way I know the, oh, well, I think the way, or if I recall, the way it does asynchronous stuff, it just defers to the, uh, like the kernel AIO library, if I recall correctly. Uh, so it, it will just get a message back when it's, when something has been completed, it'll just return to it. Hmm. But for this, I—I I mean, I—I'm not sure. That's a good question, actually. Okay. Uh, speaking of concurrency, um, I don't know if you guys are fans of Rust or not, but Rust has implemented lockless concurrency that came out this week. Um, which lockless concurrency sounds like a recipe for disaster, given the fact that you can overwrite other parts of memory and other threads before it returns back to the first thread that put the data into memory. But I've been told that uh, in Rust, in this new version of Rust, be all of the data is immutable. So the idea of having cr threads corrupt data for other threads goes away because all the data is immutable by default. And then there's also no garbage collection, which is interesting. So in Go, there are there is a lock-free way of doing things, and there's a library called that. It's called Atomic, and typically it's used to increment counters and things like that without having to block each other. You don't have to worry about having a mutex or anything. You can just increment it, and it will defer to uh, the OS, and uh, it, will, it will handle the, the increment. It just works. Um, I think in this case, it's some variation built on top of that idea where it's using Atomic. They have but Atomic Cell in here. The set of Atomics provided by the standard uh, Sync Atomic module is not particularly easy to use. In many ways, it feels very low level. Um, enter Atomic Cell generic T, which works just like Cell generic T, except it can also be shared among threads. Arbitrary types may be used with atomic cell, although some operations only work with copy types. Is that what you're talking about, Wayne? I wasn't listening. No. I was just looking. <laughs> you know, we've got yeah. a lot to talk about. Why don't we just press on? Uh, Yarn has a new version that does stuff, um, and I think it works better with mono repos. And it's written in TypeScript? Written in TypeScript. Or will be written, because well, isn't this just Yarn's roadmap, or are they actually doing a release anytime soon? Uh, it's, I think it's just a roadmap, uh, yeah, especially yarns. given that it says, that it says roadmap in that header. Um, major changes, the lock file format will become a strict subset of that, of YAML. That's nice. Um, add support for plugins, 
Uh, Yarn will become an API as much as a CLI. Support for Node 4 and Node 6 will be dropped. Log system will be overhauled. Some features currently in the course, such as AutoClean, will be moved into contrib projects. They'll still be supported. Codebase will be ported from Flow to TypeScript to understand the rationale, minus E. Uh, please continue reading, but a quick summary is that we hope our community, to, uh, this will help our community to ramp up on Yarn, and it will help you build awesome new features on top of it. Now, let me ask you this. When is ECMA, the, the ECMA board, going to just include TypeScript in the next version of JavaScript oh, or I think ES it's or ECMAScript? Yeah. At, at some point in the next few years. I don't know if it's going to be TypeScript exactly, but it'll be very similar. Some kind of strongly typed yeah. JavaScript thing. That There's also this article that was written recently where I'm not going to go into it about the TypeScript tax. It does, imply a ta- it does apply a tax just by default because it's another layer of compilation. So, Ooh. The, right? Like it has it, yeah, to be you compiled. Do, you and do then, it once. And then you transpile. No, but what it transpiles into might actually be less performant than just writing the code itself, even though it's stronger. Sure, but you expect the compiler well, the or transpiler to optimize for you. Yes, but even with the optimizations, it might not be as fast, even though it is more secure and better code, hence the TypeScript tax. But well, that's the only thing I could think uh, of. What? Can, we, can we go back to Yarn for a second? Sure. All right, so when Yarn came out, it was solving problems that NPM, NPM couldn't do. Couldn't, yeah, but now NPM... Essentially, has the same feature set as Yarn. Yes, but so, now people have actually moved away from Yarn onto Lerna, which is another one. Like, I don't know why. No, but doesn't Lerna still under the hood use either of these things? Is That's a separate... Doesn't Yarn under the hood use NPM? I don't think so. I think it was a re-implementation. Oh. Right? So what's the point of using Yarn? Why, is, why does it still exist if NPM is just as good? I mean... All right, they've got developers that moved over to Yarn and Probably they've convinced them to, you know, stick with it, but I can't see that lasting. I feel like that's I feel like that's what happened. I think there's going to always be a schism and yeah, for Yarn to maintain it. I like fundamentally you guys still have npm as your package repository, right? Mm-hmm. So they're always going to be in like in control of that because it's so convenient and it's already built in. And there's someone actively at least managing or attempting to secure your packages. Yep. Interesting. Um, Go doesn't have that. Uh, it just hasn't bit anyone in a huge way yet. Oh, they um, have a new yeah. resolution protocol, uh, Workspaces, colon, allows you to force the package manager to link one of your packages against a workspace, which is, be- which is good for monorepos, um, which I guess is what Yarden calls a workspace. It's probably a monorepo. I think it's you could just basically treat parts of your project as workspaces. Workspaces are a new way to set up your package architecture that's available by default starting from Yarn 1.0. Multiple packages in a way that you only need to run Yarn install once to install all of them in a single pass. That sounds like a monorepo thing. Uh, New command, Yarn constraints, will allow you to enforce constraints across workspaces, for example, to require all the declared dependencies to use a unique version of a package. That's nice. I don't know how many times I've been stuck in it. I've been stuck in a way where uh, some like some dependency of a dependency of a dependency is using an old version that's hard coded of something that is no longer compatible with your system. What does that mean? Unique version of you can specify a version. Uh, Minor, major, or probably anything, or patch. So there are some you implications. Just it, you so, just tell right? it that all of the dependencies must use this version of whatever other dependency they have. 
That sounds like a nightmare. No, I'll I mean, give you a good example. I worked on a mono repo um, that constantly, that somehow one of the one of the packages included a node module that included an out of date and end of life version of FS events, and it was like an alpha version, like 0.2.1. And it was no longer supported, doesn't run in any current version of Mac. And yet, I couldn't figure out how to get rid of it. I globally installed FS events, the latest one. I made sure the FS events inside of the package. Globally. Well, I, I made sure that the FS events inside of the inside of the mono repo, inside of the package was the right version. And it would and then it would just go back. Eventually it would make its way back to 0.2.1. Somehow it's in, it's in there. And I don't know how to fix it. It took a very long time to work around. So having constraints like that actually would really solve that problem. So is it you're you're specifying, you're allowing it to use certain versions or yeah, you're spe- I, I, from what this sounds like, it's just that it's a, you're specifying a unique version for it to use. Okay. Okay. I thought you had meant that each dependency uh, uses their own unique version of a dependency, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what it is now, if you think uh, about it. I don't, I don't know. I don't it is. That's what it is. It is, is a mess. Yeah, and it is a mess, so that's why they have yeah. constraints. Yeah. Okay. So uh, maybe, and maybe that's why... Uh, maybe uh, NPM isn't going to do any of that, and Yarn is just going to keep... I mean, the web is fragmented so much that it just... It, I don't know. I guess there is one benefit to Yarn adding features that NPM didn't have. and that, that the ball of Yarn gets even longer. No, I don't know. It pushed NPM to move ahead. There same, you go. Same See, with, compa- like, Vim, is Vim and NeoVim, right? Vim yeah. didn't want to do why? asynchronous See, why tasks. See, why did they call it NeoVim, not just, like, Vim-Mim? Vim or or Vim Vi V Rim like Vi, Vim squared V I reimproved or something like Neo Vim is new Vim improved that doesn't make a lot of sense. But anyway, Neo Vim did push Vim ahead. Um, Com- they, competition is good. Yeah, monopolies stagnate in uh, in their leadership. Um, Okay, moving moving on, there is quite a lot to get to. Let's uh, talk for a minute about Oracle, because Oracle has uh, been turning the screws to a lot of people in technology lately, and one of the things that they've done is that they're now turning the screws to Google. Um, Oracle is suing Google because of some kind of patent infringement copyright dispute a uh, long-running copyright dispute with Oracle over use of software interfaces, which is ironic given how much they stole from Apple. But they say, notwithstanding how they lifted Android from iOS, as in Eric Schmidt sat in the meetings in 2006 of them developing iOS and then left in 2007 right before the iPhone came out, and then in 2008 launched an Android phone. <gasps> how did he do it? So uh, he pulled a Microsoft. Uh Google says, or say, we built Android using the... You know what? Let's, let's make this a little bit more... Uh, a little more entertaining, shall we? Uh, hold on. You mean your voice isn't entertaining enough? No. We built Android. You, oh, no. It's doing that thing again. <laughs> where it's not letting me control the levels. Okay. That's scary. Digital media is scary. Okay, anyway. <coughs> Try this again. All right, uh, take two. 
We built Android following the computer industry's long-accepted practice of reusing software interfaces that Apple originally created, which provides sets of commands that make it easy to implement common functionality, in the same way that computer keyboard shortcuts like pressing Control and P make it easy to print. Android created a transformative new platform while letting millions of Java programmers use their existing skills to create new applications. And the creators of Java backed the release of Android, saying it had, quote, strapped another set of rockets to the Java community's momentum. But after Oracle acquired Java in 2010, they sued us for using their software interfaces, trying to profit by changing the rules of software development after the fact. Oracle's lawsuit claims the right to control software interfaces. Ironically, all Java interfaces are horrible. By the building, including Android, the building blocks of software development, and as a result, the ability to lock in a community of developers who have invested in learning the free and open Java language, which is, of course, owned by somebody. Would you call C Sharp free and open? I, I don't know why Oracle called Visual Basic C it free and open. Why would Oracle willingly admit they wrote those interfaces? Hmm. Yeah, they're all garbage. They're taking credit for it. They're strapping rockets to it. Hey, you made something that doesn't look like it's 10 years old already. That's uh, great. Good job, Eric. Related to this, uh, I saw on Reddit there was a Forbes article. Uh, I don't know if it was the blog or some ran like it was some random person, but they were talking about how uh, Oracle has been more aggressive towards auditing companies regarding their Java use. Yeah, lately. well, you know what? They need to take a nice look in the mirror because they allegedly withheld $400 million in wages from unrepresented employees. That's right, which include minorities and women. Um, how sad is that? While also prioritizing the hiring of H-1B workers. So isn't that funny? They prioritize the hiring of H-1B workers, but then favor them less over the domestic workers that they're not hiring because they want the H-1B people. This, something doesn't make sense in this. No, it makes sense. They're maximizing shareholder value. Isn't that what they're supposed to do? By hiring foreigners and paying them less money than the domestic people that they don't want to hire? Yes. Why not? They'd, if you're here on an H-1B visa, you have... What are your options if you realize working for Oracle is a horrible existence? You have to leave, right? I guess, but the, the the U.S. Department of Labor has two suits against Oracle. It looks like one of them is for the is for the wages, and the other one is for the worker discrimination. So, uh, the quote: "These students required work authorization to remain in the U.S. after graduation." The Labor Department said in a court filing. In other words, Oracle overwhelmingly hires workers dependent upon Oracle for sponsorship to make, remain in the U.S. This preference for a workforce that is dependent on Oracle for authorization to work in the United States lends itself to the suppression of that workforce's wages. Because they need Oracle to stick around, so then, they're, so then they have to just take the less money, even though, realistically, they might be able to get a job at another tech company since hiring H-1Bs is not an uncommon thing. It's not that easy. You have to it's do not that it easy. Everyone's hard. doing it. What are you talking about? You have to do an H-1B transfer. It takes a couple of months. You have to do it with lawyers, and if... Usually the company is not aware when you're doing it, so there are a lot of... It's, it's not as straightforward as, as you think it is, and they'll have to leave the country, and given the political climate, no one really knows. I mean... So they uh, just want to stay where they are. It, yeah, and, and, I mean, it really sucks. Being held against your will and having the right job, that's a really 
terrible existence. <laughs> you know, they. I think that they chose to write Java initially, and now they have to. This is the life that they chose. They have to cope with the consequences. By Forever. the way, Google's, Google has to loop in a, a nice jab. The U.S. Constitution authorized copyrights to quote promote the progress of science and the useful art. It's so funny, given how much they steal from other people and hypocrites. Uh, speaking of hypocrites, John McAfee, who's somewhere in South America high on drugs, allegedly, uh, has recruited, quote, hundreds of mass lookalikes for his 2020 presidential bid as he continues his run from the IRS. What? Why are people still giving this person media time? Because they still have his antivirus on their computers and they don't know why. And also they're waiting for Bitcoin to, uh, what was it, by 2020 he said it was going to hit $100,000 or something ridiculous. Oh. And, and if it didn't, he was going to... What is he going to do? He's already on a raft somewhere. I can't, I can't, even, I can't even, even say. I'll, I'll have to tell you after. Oh, okay. Something really bad on live television. Today, a grand jury was convened by the IRS to indict uh, Janice McAfee and John Ma oh, oh, his wife, and himself as four as yet unnamed campaign workers for various and tax fraud issues, he said on one video post filmed on his filmed on his freedom boat in unnamed tropical waters. When I said he was on a raft in the Pacific, I wasn't kidding. Yeah, so he so now he has he has doppelgangers that are propagating his message in front of video cameras. That's a tax-free freedom boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can gamble, he can do anything. It's in international waters, but he has to stay by himself. So, yeah. Um what happened to him? It's like he it's like he had no, a mental breakdown around when the dot-com bust happened and like but he's still incredibly wealthy and well, those didn't, people didn't keep he renewing a, their virus subscriptions. He allegedly killed somebody and escaped to yeah. the island. Yeah. Wow. That might be why and he's he still on a raft in the Pacific. He shilled a lot of cryptocurrency for money. Yeah. But and he also said that he could break the iPhone encryption in under an hour. In a very, in a very arrogant way. The password has to be stored somewhere at RAM, so just take a dump of the RAM and you'll get the password. Yeah, that's exactly how it's done, John. Um, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, a segment that's near and dear to my heart is, of course, the encroaching war on free speech and the ability to publish information, which is the whole point of the web and the, well, not the web, but the internet, and how it democratizes people's ability to publish information and really does give everybody a voice. However, as the massive centralization of the web has occurred, now the vo your voice may only be heard if it's, if it's on the platform of one of a lowering, diminishing number of companies progressively perpetually diminishing number of companies. YouTube is one of them, owned by Google, said on Friday that they will promote fewer videos containing what they call misinformation and conspiracy theories, a potentially significant step to reducing the service's potential to drive viewers towards extremist content. Now, just remember who's deciding the rules for what is considered misinformation and what is considered extremist content. In a test limited to the United States, which is basically just doing it for real, the service said it would stop recommending what it calls borderline content, as in videos that came close to violating its community guidelines, but just stopped short. So these videos now have not violated anything. They've been called borderline content, and they're now suspended from YouTube. They're not being recommended. Sorry. They're not taken down, but they're not being recommended, which severely impacts the monetization aspects of these videos. While YouTube said the change would affect less than 1% of videos that are available on YouTube, which is actually a sheer large number anyway, the volume of content available serves... Yeah, exactly. And the sheer volume of content available on the service suggests that the effect could be significant. Absolutely. 
So you make a YouTube video. They say, your opinion has been declared misinformation and a conspiracy theory. We're now demonetizing you. And that's it. You're gone. Hashtag Alex Jones. He, like I said before, he's the canary in the coal mine. He's the guy everyone can laugh at. Oh, yeah, the tinfoil hat guy. The guy who sells snake oil and supplements that don't work. Oh, yeah, take him off. That's fine. But the next step is this. Videos containing what they call misinformation. What does that mean? Well, MSNBC said this, and you're not saying it, so it's misinformation. Oh, okay. What if they were wrong? Well, they're not wrong. It's on television. Well, television is wrong sometimes. This is a very scary... I don't know. This is one of those things that I don't like. <laughs> I mean, is that what the platform is for? I, I mean, from how I look at it, this is they need to monetize and people want family-friendly channels yeah, to advertise kids for. That actually has really uh, uh, gross stuff on it, but they've taken that down. I don't mind that. I don't mind, like, because I, I read somewhere that people were really hijacking the YouTube, YouTube Kids channel and putting naughty content on that. That's one thing. This is, you have a YouTube channel. I understand they're a private company. I understand you have terms of service. They're saying you have not violated their terms of service, but they've classified you as misinformation and you're no longer being recommended. So the amount of traffic that your video gets severely diminishes. That's what I would tell girls on my date. Uh, by the way, Google urged the U.S. to limit protection for activist workers. Isn't that nice? I think they're a nice company. Citing, dis- uh, c- citing dissents authored by Republican appointees. Interesting. Google's attorneys wrote that the 2014 standard about activist workers and whistleblowing, uh, where the agency uh, restricted companies from publishing and uh, for punishing employees for using their workplace email systems for activities like circulating petitions or fomenting walkouts... Google is now used, citing Republican appointees to overrule that 2014 Obama regulation and a George W. Bush era precedent allowing companies to ban organizing on their employee email systems should be reinstated because they left the do no evil moniker five years ago. Isn't this stemming out of them having to kill their, their China project? I think it's James Damore and the frequent lawsuits that they're getting because their stuff leaks and how and how and how bad of a corporate culture they have because their their intentions are good but the road to hell is paved on good intentions. In an emailed statement a Google spokeswoman said or a spokesperson said, we're not lobbying for changes to any rules, right? Rather, she said Google's claim that the Obama-era protection should be overturned was, quote, a legal defense that we included as one of many possible defenses against the meritless claims. Against meritless claims at the NLRB, that's the National Law Research thing? I don't know. I don't know what the NLRB, National Labor Relations Board, there we go. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, how did that affect them in terms of profit enough to care? It doesn't affect them in terms of profit well, enough to care, uh, but they're trying to keep the, trying to tamp down the 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 uh, like communication that their employees have after the scandals from last year, right? Because they had like other projects that were, if they had undertaken, would have borne a lot of profit that they had to shut down because like there's what? too much employee pushback. That China project. What was the China project? Um, just that wasn't comp- the internet balloons, was it? It was. 
built. I mean, it's just the fact that like you're building there's like they're trying to compete over there, China. right? Right. They yeah. Have to compete with all. And then you have to acquiesce to all of China's demands regarding right. that, and then do all this monitoring and uh, what but we the, would consider civil rights abuse. Who is it? What is it? Jack Ma is that his name? Who runs Alibaba? Yes. He's like one of the richest men in the world, and he's actually acquiescing with China really well. What's the, what's the problem? Is it is it just like a is it just like an optics problem that it looks bad? Well, I support Google's right to 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 you know alter their rules to work with whatever regime they they're trying to do business in. That's that's well, good business. But why is it unethical for them to limit their that, search results in China? But and these are like Americans saying that. What is the deal? Uh, well, it, it's these employees. You're if you're an engineer, you then sign up to help a nation state suppress rights, right? You didn't help. Uh, go- Are like, you helping a nation state suppress rights by just that, implementing uh, the the Great Firewall it, of China on Google Search? I mean, it's always going to be arguable, but that's you know probably what else why is helping people suppress rights. The wars that we're fighting on the other side of the globe, and we're not we don't care about that. So why do we choose to care about this? You know how many people we bombed today? Like, no, it doesn't even make the news anymore. It doesn't matter. And they're kind of complaining, oh, search engines filtering out results in a country I don't live in. Okay. Yeah, but it's having a more direct hand or close enough for people to be uncomfortable Are you saying that China, as, as opposition, should try to further the VPN efforts of becoming accessible by getting around the, the firewall of China? What? There's one of two ways they can do this. I, you see what I'm saying? Like they can either work I, with China or they can work against China. Well, it's more like or not do business with them at all. I guess that's the third it, way. I mean, it's more like it's in Google's best interests to work with China. Exactly, it, it, but if they're yeah. going to pull this well, humanitarian well, stuff about you know, oh, you know, we right. don't want to suppress human rights, and they should work to further the but, cause that allows the freedom of information to enter China, but they're not. But what employees want? Is always going to be different, and that's. But what employees but want is American style life in China, which is not going to happen. It's another country with more people and a much bigger footprint. That has many reasons why they can't live the way we, we can't even live the way they do in California here in New York. So I don't know. Sure, it, it's just they don't want to have a hand in it. They don't want the company to be doing that. That's not what I mean. That's why they are doing. <laughs> We'd this. rather the phone sell data of people who's. Yeah. Phones were in airplane mode. That's fine, but don't filter out search results in China. Well, okay. everyone has a line, right? Uh, and I guess the line of tracking Americans is totally is not there, but it, God forbid we agree with the Chinese government to increase the bottom line for the company. I don't know. All I'm saying is if I had to do business with China, I would, I would try to be as respectful as possible. My, when I run for mayor in 30 years, remember my slogan is, new man for New York, let's make friends. Well... Or you lobby the government to make sure people which government can't uh, the the U.S. US government to make sure your employees can't congregate over email to argue about whether or not it's right to do this. Yeah, I mean, but that's what they're doing. That's a good point. You did bring it back around. I I get it now. Okay, Uh, moving on. The Daily Mail, which is a hilarious, uh, basically a tabloid in England, has been has uh, been identified as a as a malware-containing website. Sorry, that's it's been identified as a bad site by Microsoft Edge, which shouldn't be using their NewsGuard plugin. It says, proceed with caution. This website generally fails to maintain basic standards of accuracy and accountability. You know, it's funny. 
I never thought the ministry of truth would be an algorithm, right? That's what this is. It's that it's again, it's like when YouTube classifies your your opinion as misinformation. You're not agreeing. I mean, they're, you know, tabloids, whatever, but you're not agreeing with the declared accepted narrative. So your misinformation conspiracy theory, we're going to demonetize your YouTube channel. We're going to put this banner on your website. You're going to be screwed. You're going to be your your ability to make money in the 21st century economy is controlled by five companies. And they and they are increasingly encroaching on your rights to say stuff because as the companies get bigger, they become accountable to more people and more people have increased have an increasing disparity in what they want. That's why why the world can't be just one big country. It can't have can't happen. Oh, what's going on, man? You're you're real angry about this. Yes, because I mean, one day I, it'll come for me. I, I'm That's just, why. I'm just here thinking, man, that'd be great because I, I would love to pay Microsoft some money to say someone's Reddit comment is crap. That's not what they're going to do. They would, put the, they would put the banner on Reddit.com. Proceed uh, with caution. This website generally that fails to maintain. That works too for me, man. I mean, maybe, you, maybe there's a VIG involved. Um. It's interesting also because NewsGuard, uh, while I believe it's installed by default, is completely independent of Microsoft and operates right here in New York. And it can be an add-on extension for not just Edge, but Chrome and Firefox and Safari. So if the people go to Sputnik, SputnikNews.com is another one. And, of course, they have a recommended video of Alex Jones in the sidebar. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. Look. This is their foot in the door. They'll use the fake news stuff as their way of, of getting you to agree with this pernicious activity. But it's an encroachment on your ability to publish information. And I believe that more people should have the ability to publish information. We need to have the personal responsibility and the critical thinking tools to realize when it's garbage or not. You don't have to believe it. Don't believe what Alex Jones says. But if you want to watch him for some laughs, go ahead. And if watching him for some laughs makes him some money and you don't buy anything that he sells, then fine. That's fine. Just don't believe it. It's entertainment. It's way easier to put on a browser that it's bullcrap than to fix the education system yeah. and make sure everyone gets a good education and that's, is able to discern. That's true, but you're you're still pushing whatever their agenda is. Ja- yeah, Jack Polson, sure. who uh, who quit Google in September so over its. Oh, this is what you're talking about. I'm sorry, I should have read this before. Jack Paulson, who uh, Paulson, who quit Google in September over its search project in China, spoke about the company's culture of secrecy. He cited an engineer yelling "F.U. leakers" at an all hands meeting as an example of the attitude towards leaking. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's why you don't work at Google anymore, Wayne. I, also, because you're over thirty, they I, don't I, like I, that. I, yeah, what? That's true. I know. You're too old. After I hit thirty, you, you have to you have to at least be in a ma- a top. A senior all the elite position. technology went out my head. I don't remember anything now, yeah. and I, I find myself in the middle of the night just waking up and writing Java, and it's <laughs> it's just bizarre. Oh no! It, yeah, it's. I mean, someone should really have find a cure for this. I really don't understand that Silicon Valley obsession with young developers. Like, I think the best devs because I've worked with don't are have... highly experienced. Older devs. Right, but they have their own ways of doing things. Not always. They usually, I mean, I, I mean, they usually do. People who've been around and work, especially people who've worked independently for a long time. Independently, have, yes. But if you've worked with a team for a long time, I think you are, you know, 
your whys. Right. But the, the idea is that they're getting these people fresh out of college, as in they recruit them, like from Georgia Tech and Carnegie Mellon and some from some sure Berkeley, and they just throw them into you know junior senior developer positions when they're 20, 21. And then they become managers by the time they're 26, 27. And then they start a startup by the time they're 29. And then they're millionaires by the time they're 31. And I'm 31, and I have a negative net worth. So that's that. Yeah, that's, that's a really hard... It's and if you don't a, make it, F you, there's a door, get someone else. There's people knocking down the door to go work at Google despite this. It's, yeah, but it, I mean, it's difficult to have a sweeping generalization regardless. Uh, yeah, like, definitely. But there is... I mean, for for on their side, it's if let's say all the coding we do is labor, um, what? Why would this person, after X amount of years, want to continue doing it? Because they, I mean, other than the fact that they like doing it, right? But that's some weird thing to a lot of people, because at some point you don't want to do that labor, um, but you rather use your judgment to help younger people. Put in those hours, and right? Do but that that's later. probably why they love the young. De- it's also, I think, a, a relic of the '70s era of you know these kids that didn't go to college, fresh, you know, that were, came up with a, 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 a what became a titan of tech in the garage in California, and they think that that's just how it's supposed to happen when that's really an outlier. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very clicky. Very has a broy feel to it. Yeah. At what the, does? Just the whole. You know, people can't be over 30 and work in uh, engineering, that kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, it also, you know, it also goes to the ability to put in repeated 16-hour days, to not have to worry about quality of life, to not care about taking time off, to assume that they probably don't have a family or kids. That's those, just all abuse. of those assumptions, all of those assumptions are, and people who will just keep working no matter what. Remember, I heard Reed Hastings would fire people if they needed to do stuff on a, on a Sunday with their family. Oh, my kid has a soccer game. Guess what, pal? You need a new job. Not cutting it here with Netflix. Why do you have kids? Yeah, those people who work a lot and are young are also have very strong political beliefs. So tying back. That does actually tie back pretty strongly um, back to Google. They haven't had the hope drained out of them yet. No. they think Because they go from college in that ideological nirvana to Google, which is basically just college extended. Because everyone there is, it's a monoculture. Ironically, they're all, you know, diverse in terms of ethnic backgrounds and racial backgrounds, but it's a monoculture in terms of the way that they think. So, um, yeah, by the way, uh, one last thing. Cell phone owners in California could soon pay an extra tax for the privilege of sending text messages. But since we don't live in California, we don't care. Uh, Why don't we then, on that note, take a right turn into some local news with our New York where we take a look at your five boroughs. First up in Quitley, a major water main break crippled service on the L last week. First halting service completely between Brooklyn and Manhattan, and causing extensive delays that the MTA was forced to reroute trains. Water main break at street level between 6th and 8th Avenue sent water spewing into the tunnel, which is, if you think about it, 6th and 8th Avenue are at the end of the L that sent water spewing into the tunnel on the other side of Manhattan that links, that's the tunnel that they're going to be uh, replacing that Cuomo said now doesn't have to be shut down. Guess what? It does because of this. I think think most people are like good riddance to the tunnel. For for anyone who takes the L... 
I take the L. Oh, the L, yeah. And guess what happened? The, the when case it was five point. degrees the other night. It got and stuck underground. Case so the point. Everyone takes the L. They're always complaining. What about people who take the six, the four, five? They complain. Are you kidding me? One of my friends had to commute on the Lex line every day, and he he wouldn't stop complaining. Up on the M, it runs once every month. Fifteen minutes. Yeah. I'm going to be on the M once they shut down the L. The G trainers, they're not doing. They're not shutting down the L anymore. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that actually went through. What Cuomo said. I think it's still kind of being litigated or debated. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on, they're actually safely speeding up trains. I, uh, we reported a few months ago that one of the big reasons why subway delays had increased is because of these things called um, their their countdown sig their their countdown timer signals that make sure that a train is operating at a specific speed and will activate the train's emergency brake if it exceeds the, the time if it exceed if it goes past the signal before it's finished counting down. But over the years, they've become thoroughly miscalibrated, and they're just delaying trains for no reason. So the knight, I'll give, he deserves a, knight, a knighthood, Andy, Sir Andy Byford, who's the head of the MTA, um, is going through all of, the, all of the stations and trying to figure out how they can increase speed limits and recalibrate these timers, and in fact... They are increasing the speed limit. They are increasing the speed limits in quite a few parts of the subway, but very few of them relate to us here in gentrified Brooklyn. Um, this is like a microservices architecture <laughs> due to the high coupling, right? Like you, you get some slow services, and then it just reverberates throughout the system. Yes, yeah, until someone has to literally yeah. go to every switch and manually recalibrate. Except in this case, someone died. So it's like if someone died using an API, and then you went, oh, wow, this has to slow down a bit. As it's an example, requests the, too the fast. Uh, JMZ between Essex Street and Bowery has been increased from 15 miles an hour to 30 miles an hour. That's pretty nice. It is, It is. but what I think about these speed limits is that the train's never going to hit that speed, and that's probably why like, there's a few of these that say limit removed. It's never going to actually go beyond 15 miles an hour based on the tracks, the age of the trains. And the you don't know that, Eric. It could go really fast. Just floor it until, you know, they'll floor 88 miles it, and an hour. be wait, stuck for five minutes I, I, with, uh, you know, we've been delayed because of train traffic ahead of us. We apologize for any inconvenience. I feel happy for the kids who like to hold on to the trains as they move through the station. They're going to get a real kick out of the speed boost. They're going to get a much better experience. That would actually be pretty cool. Oh, by the way, one last thing. Oh, no, oh, two last things. The MTA reaches a deal with Amtrak to move uh, for a Metro North expansion that also brings the Metro North to Penn Station, which is cool. Not to mention the Long Island Railroad's going to Grand Central. It's a nice reach around. And, and uh, Sir Andy Byford uh, has yelled at Bombardier... Because they gave him crap in Toronto by building faulty rail cars, and now they're doing the same thing for us, and he's not having it. He says they're very loud, they're weeping oil, they were not built well. Oh, well, I, go, going back to the last topic for a second, I, I need to make a public announcement. Uh, if they're increasing the speed on the trains, if you happen to drink a lot, you have to go in the middle of a car. Be more careful. It's, they're going to be faster. <laughs> they're so going you, from 15 to 20 miles Yeah, an hour. 15 to 20 miles it, it, I I don't know what the effect on that on an inebriated person. Here we go. Would the be. M approaching Broadway Lafayette is going from 15 to 19 miles an hour. Be more careful when you go in between cars to do your business. Yes, that was, that was a public service announcement. That is a public service announcement. Also, do you really have enough time to do your business in between cars, between subway sta stations? 
you can yeah it depends. I, mean, uh, I mean on the on you know on the on the long island or the metro north it's different but depends which stop that's true but now some of these stops look at this it's in train between kensington kingston and utica avenue going up to 45 miles an hour it's nice anyway oh yeah you gotta be oh yeah there's going to be the possible blowback, so you got to be careful, too. Yes. By the way, there's one other thing, is that there was a new law that was introduced that increases the um, cost of an Uber ride. Um, I didn't add it to the show notes. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's going to be a minimum wage, ascent, sort of, right? It's yeah. going to be a minimum wage-esque target, and it's going to be applied to Uber, Lyft, it's, and Juno. It, it, but Lyft and Juno actually successfully lobbied to be... Uh, exempt from that regulation, so only Uber is actually is going to be hit with this tax, which is hilarious. I can't use a Lyft because it keeps asking me to add more credit cards to verify my address. I don't know why it needs more than one, but that's ridiculous. Hey, we have this credit card that validates and verifies your address. Add another credit card to Lyft just to make sure that actually goes to the same address. Why? Um, so a, have, a ride you... from Midtown to LaGuardia will now cost forty three sixty seven instead. Oh, uh, uh, Woodhouse. What? Hold on. What is it Something uh, isn't right. The base, uh, so the the rate. There's a rate cut. Oh, I'm sorry. I take that back. This is an old article. Excuse me. But what? What does it cost approximately now for that trip? I mean, it, I mean, Uber's already pretty expensive. Yeah. So. Well, uh, cheaper than a taxi, though. It's interesting that back in 2016 we heard about a price cut, and now we're here's a price increase because they weren't making enough money. Uh, an extra 250 fee will be taxed on tacked onto any yellow taxi rides in the city that begin or pass through South 96 or that uh, sorry that begin end or pass through South of 96th Street, and an extra 275 fee will be added for other four hire vehicles, including Ubers and Lyfts, all before the car even starts. The new ride fees were supposed to start on the first of January and are intended to raise more than a million dollars to help fix the city's broken subway system because they say that people are not using the subway in lieu of these ride-sharing apps. Which, who's complaining about that? Fewer people are you using the subway and it's still packed? Okay. Anyway, this isn't really about tech, so why don't we move on? Um, NPR actually launched a new podcasting platform. They're calling it Open Source. It's called RAD. An open source podcast analytics technology that will continue to show that nobody's listening to our program. In partnership with nearly 30 companies from the podcasting industry, this technology helps to, helps to help, aims to help publishers collect more comprehensive and standardized listening metrics from across platforms. Now, the thing about this is that you can't actually get real podcast analytics without controlling the uh, audio player, the podcast is played on, which is why Apple's new podcast analytics, where I got the email recently as in a couple days ago, but yet they still show nothing. Um, that would be best because it uses the native podcasting app. And I, so they'd have to, NPR would have to get people to switch to their rad app in order um, to get the right analytics. Because you're not going to be able to get it. The the files are downloaded either in segments or as a whole. You're not going to get the pause, the seek events, where they started from, how long they listened. It's impossible unless you control the player. So NPR has that. I mean, they just need to get a sample of the ecosystem. And if they publish this, these metrics, it would be more transparent than it is now. They don't have to. They're not under any obligation to publish anything, though. And all of their podcasts do really well, so it doesn't look like... And they don't take advertising, remember? So what do they care? Oh, I'm sorry, underwriting, right. They're underwriting from 
Archer Daniels, Midland, or Bill Gates, or Monsanto. That's fine. But just don't take advertisers. Um, all right. Well, before we slide into our main, the meat of the show, which is about exploits, why don't we take a quick bit and talk about Apple and an Apple attack? Where we take a nice little poop on the company we just said. Apple recently dismissed more than 200 employees from its Project Titan. Its autonomous vehicle group, Apple, as I've been saying, is way overspent. They are stretched way too thin and don't have a clear focus anymore. One of those things is moving them into autonomous vehicles. Um, of course, I'm sure Apple's autonomous vehicle will have no steering wheel or no pedals. It'll just know where you want to go um, based on what you typed into your phone, and it'll just take you there. And it's shaped like an apple? No. Probably just going to be a white, white blob. It's not <laughs> going to have a windshield. It's, it's going to have be, a camera. It's going to be shaped like the first magic mouse. Exactly. It's going to yeah. look like the magic. It, uh, and it's not going to have a windshield. It'll have a camera and a display. <laughs> so, uh, Apple is, yeah, that's right. No, I'm sure that'll happen. We quote, uh, Cookie said, we have an incredibly talented team working on autonomous systems and associated technologies at Apple. As the team focuses their work on several key areas for 2019, some groups are being moved to projects in other parts of the companies, yada, 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 whatever. They don't care. Um... Yeah. Moving on. Many other countries are trying to tax Apple. Austria, I believe also Australia. Looking at raising taxes on Apple amidst a European disagreement. Because, you know, Apple has... They're doing that Irish uh, reach-around with the taxes, where they have an office somewhere in Ireland to prevent them from uh, being taxed heavily. Uh, Austria's federal chancellor, Sebastian Kurz has announced that his country will introduce a new national tax on the largest technology companies. Details are to be hammered out in January, with the tax expected to start in 2020, but the move is in response to the European, Union, European Union's content failure to implement a block-wide digital tax on the so-called fake <coughs> companies, Google, Apple, Facebook, and Amazon. That might have been the worst... German accent I've ever heard. It's an Austrian accent. Close yeah, enough. exactly. Oh, yeah, it's an enough. amazing Austrian <laughs> accent. Though. Really horrible I mean, German one. You know, uh, my people were driven from Germany and Austria. Uh, I don't know. for Something happened last century. Um, anyway, previously, Chancellor Coors said that Austria would introduce its own scheme of... Kurtz. If the, if the, Kurz? Kurtz. Short. There's no T. Means short. Kurtz? Kurtz. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Yeah. Look at me. Previously, Chancellor Kurtz has said that Austria... Okay. <laughs> what is... <laughs> What's that? I can't think of that um, from SNL. That with Kevin Nealon and Dana Hans, 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 Hans and Franz. Yeah. We pop you up. Okay. Um, Chancellor Kurtz said that Austria would introduce its own scheme if the European Union did. Now that Austria's six-month presidency of the EU ends, he announced in a statement that the country intends to continue working for a pan-European system. However, he added that in addition to the European plan, we will take a national step. Good job, Austria. Um, moving to Israel, uh, did Apple steal someone's voice for a Hebrew Siri? This comes from Jerusalem. The woman behind the female voice of Hebrew Siri, the Waze navigation app, is suing Apple. Oh, I'm sorry. The woman behind the female the Hebrew voice of the Waze app is suing Apple for using her voice, lifting it to use as Hebrew Siri. Israeli broadcaster Galit Guraini filed a lawsuit last week for about $666,000 in Tel Aviv District Court. 
I believe it's roughly 100 shekels, 100,000 shekels. Uh, the Israeli business daily cal calculus reported. The lawsuit alleges Apple has been using her voice recordings without her authorization, but Apple say that her voice on the Siri app is nothing but syllables joined together that were samples from her voice that we stole from Waze. Anyway, um, no, that's a thought. They say joined together by an algorithm. Uh... Moving on, there's more lawsuits, there's more privacy information. Uh, here's a way to get your data. Apple has a data privacy page uh, where you can get a copy of all of the data that Apple has on you, and you might be surprised as to what it contains. I didn't get it. I would rather just be ignorant and not know what they have about me. Um, but it looks like you can see what you've purchased from Apple, everything you'd listen to on Apple Music, everything that you do on Apple's services, and it has a time, a time stamp and an IP address uh, associated with that. Yeah, a lot of services are doing it because it's part of the GDPR. Uh, oh, also. that's why. Yeah. Okay. And it I, makes them look like good guys, right? It does make them look like good well, guys. You know, Google's actually been doing this for a long time. I mean... They didn't it, have to be asked by government. They were just doing it. it but, you know, they're doing their It's other... tough because GDPR, if you follow it in its strictly strictest form... You a can't lot, comply with it. You will uh, always be fined uh, by the EU. Well, a lot of these companies of the aren't doing any of it anyway. You're, you're supposed to be able to opt out directly of any... Any advertise like any uh, collection services they're using when you sign up for the service. Um, but what that's turning into is is having giant cookie banners whenever you launch it, whenever you go into a website, and it says this website uses cookies. Please accept to keep watching us. Right. I, that was the and so they're having you opt in, and then basically you have to. You basically have to. Yeah, and it, it just like. That initiative to say, hey, we're using cookies, uh, it's all going to be dependent on how finable and collectible those fines are, oh, the right? the EU needs money, so they will do very well at finding people. But my question yeah. is, they didn't differentiate between first and third-party cookies. I don't care if you're saving first-party cookies to maintain my session state, but if you're maintaining, if it's third-party ad tokens that are being saved and then reread by other websites, I don't want that. I'd like to opt out of that. But if, like I said, if you're using it for your own internal stuff, don't care. That's fine. But if you're using it to monetize my data, I should be, I should at least be in the loop. I should know what's going on. So, oh, uh, by the way, there's a major iPhone FaceTime bug that lets you hear the audio of the person you're calling before they pick up. Apple says they're working on it. That's nice. And, uh, I think that's, uh, oh yeah, and they're patenting Swift features. I, I always said if Apple owned a restaurant, they would patent all the items on their menu, and this is problem. This is along the lines of that. What do you think, Wayne? I think they should leave that vi that audio feature in and call it the El Chapo. <laughs> the El Chapo? Yeah, El Chapo had an IT, uh, I guess, employee, and he made he made he made them uh, tap into their phones so he could hear what people said after the call ended. Oh, the, I mean, this is the opposite of that. The pre-chapo. Well, yeah, it's the pre-chapo. Um, but that, that's a cool feature. I kind of like it, too. Yeah. But how did something like this slip by QA? They only have a $900 million testing lab. You know, they're obviously, obviously used it on, on paint or some kind of architectural edifice rather than actual it, QA stuff because it may not have slipped through QA we, I think uh, one thing we Man, all, no we, one's gonna notice it it's yeah. an edge case so who uses FaceTime yeah, anyway yeah. gotta get it out yeah I think that's OKRs gotta get it out usually oh, yeah 
Yeah. Usually it just goes, I don't think this is going to be a big impact, right? Let's yeah, they look it. at the analytics, the amount of people that actually, I'm sure they could figure out the amount of times this edge case actually happens, except that now there's an article about it. It's going to happen a lot more until they fix it. So, good job. Now, Apple uh, patenting features of programming languages. That's something that I uh, wanted to, to have a quick chat about. I don't know if that's a bad idea. There's a difference between, so I think, I think... There's a difference between just a software patent and, and patenting features of a programming language. I mean, Microsoft, I remember, tried to patent linked lists. Like, that's, you know, I, I, that, that was a bad idea, but they still tried. Uh, should Apple patent features that are, that are uh, exclusive to Swift in terms of software development? Uh, th this feature is really good, too. Is optional chaining? I like optional chaining. What is optional chaining? Um, so, you know how, it, I guess in JavaScript, uh, the equivalent is using, what, the double pipe? Yeah, pretty much. Or, oh. where, yeah, where you're short-circuiting oh, to make sure if a Something value... is defined or not. Right, and so, uh, yeah, that's... Optional chaining is doing something similar, and then you're just chaining those functions is together. something that I think just came out in, like, PHP 7-something? PHP had an update where they did that. There's an easier way to do optional training. It might be the spaceship operator. I forget. I don't know. Um, the spaceship. And, you mean and, the carrot? No, it's the no. left angle bracket. Bulls, right angle bracket. Spaceship. Oh. Yeah. I think that's what it is. And then... What does that do? C Sharp has it, too. Oh, you mean a PHP? Yeah. It's Again, oh. it's this, like, opera... I mean, how many times do we check if a value exists or well, it's I mean, been PHP initialized? Well, I mean, PHP has historically been really cranky about accessing undefined indices of, of arrays. So, like, if you're accessing, a, like, if you have a multi-dimensional array, you're at anyone, and you're trying to see if the last value, let's like five levels deep, is valid, you have to, you know, each dimension you have to check to see if it exists. Now, with the with the optional chaining, but it exists already. It's prior art. They can't patent that. They can do whatever you want. You have I mean, to go they can to court apply the, for a patent, the but they shouldn't the get one. Money, yeah. yeah, at the Except end. Except that uh, the patents cover more than optional chaining. Oh. Oops. Okay. I need I need a patent stuff. Location-based ticket books. Location-based ticket books are described. The mobile device can present a virtual ticket to a service provider based on a location? This is disgusting. A companion device can obtain a new version of a software program from a server at the request of an accessory device and provide the new version. So you have your, com your, your phone tells you that your computer needs to update. No, rather, Apple would probably do it this way. Your computer tells you that your phone needs to update iOS. They have a patent for that. Identifying and locating users on a mobile network. Adjustment of device operations based on an enclosure. What? Well, an electronic device is to configure to detect the presence or absence of a case that is positioned over at least one surface of the electronic device. When a case is present, the electronic device is configured to determine one or more characteristics. Why is this patentable? I mean, everything is patentable. And it's not. It has to follow some rules. It's if those people who are granting you access to the patent understand if those what you're patenting follows those rules and like, that's pretty maybe, hard maybe apple just has a rubber stamp in washington with the patent lawyers i don't know i mean but where's the next albert einstein come but on you, but people also get patents uh purely for defensive purposes too because right. there are patent trolls yeah and that's why all the big tech companies have patent programs yeah. and stuff but at the same time like magnetic connector for electronic device isn't that ironic seeing as they just took the magsafe port away from the latest macbooks good job apple uh, yeah but there's i mean it's one thing 
it's, it's real easy to clear these stories. things up, right? You say publicly, we are filing well, these as defensive though, patents. They're making these defensive patents, but the problem is, it, it like, and this is going to sound kind of like that equitable JavaScript line, um, but it, 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 these defensive patents kind of prohibit smaller companies from doing these things, and because Apple, would, they would then have to sue Apple, which you can't sue Apple if you're not Google or Facebook or Netflix or a giant company. You just can't. So you ha they have this patent, it's bogus, but you can't sue them to get it invalidated, unless you do it in like a small claims court, which I don't know if that's even possible. But but it's one thing for them to actually enforce it. There are times where these companies will get patents and say explicitly they're not going to enforce it. Well, then if, so they, if they say they're not going to enforce it, they shouldn't have a patent. It's because then the patent troll will get the patent and will enforce it. No, but if they're saying again, that's see, then they need to enforce it. If they're gonna, it's like a trademark. If you don't enforce a trademark, no, that's not how it you. works. I, I, if okay, a trademark works that way, it should be like a trademark. Where if you don't enforce claim illegal claims against your trademark, then you lose the trademark. It should be something like that. But then you still give patent trolls the ability to exist. That's true. We technically uh, I are mean, violating th patents by doing this podcast. Th this is just. This might be a case of just getting patents and then going, I'm not going to do anything with them. It's just so no one can sue me over it. How benevolent. But then you hold that patent back pocket. Yeah, it's true. Things can always change. That's very yeah. true. Courting modifications by multiple users to a shared automated environment. Doesn't Google have that with Google Docs? Like, this is the type of stuff that really I don't think should be patentable. Yeah, but yeah. we spent enough time talking about Apple and not the stuff that we're actually supposed to be doing, which is about exploits. And I think we're about... Oh, a little more than an hour into the show. So why don't we switch gears? But before we do that, let's take a, let's take a quick break. As you know, uh, I'm trying to build a media empire. I'm trying to transition from just doing uh, podcasting and making websites into... Uh, Wayne, I can hear you breathing. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you, are you like, turned on or something? <laughs> What is that? That's what it sounds like, though. Anyway, uh, well, at least you're on mic. <laughs> uh, isn't that ironic? Is that ironic? I don't know. Is it? I don't know. You, gotta you can ask. actually, I can hear him breathing, but he's actually on mic. It's distracting, but he's actually doing the thing I asked him to do. Ask Alanis on your wedding. Okay. Um, anyway. Let's move on here. So I'm trying to get into uh, more video production, and I've made a trailer for a cliche revisionist biopic about a major figure in the 20th century that actually hasn't had a proper biopic done because, and he died 40 years ago, um, and his legacy still lives on with us, especially us millennials, to this day. Um, and uh, his name is Walt Disney. So here is a cliche biopic trailer that I made for the forthcoming cliche biopic about Walt Disney. Nobody's ever done this before. Y'all ready to make something special here? They say you hate the Jews. He changed our lives. Hello, I'm Walt Disney. He gave life to a whole new world and befriended a mouse to create an empire. I give you Mickey Mouse! Yeah, you know, I don't think people are gonna go for that. From his humble beginnings... You sold a cartoon without any actors! How 
can you sell a cartoon without any actors? I'll do it myself. Go inside his epic movies. I really don't think we should put the Black Crows in number. It connotes awful racial stereotype. But come on, wow, it's funny. Don't you understand these are real people here? Not just some objects. Learn about his secret family. Minnie, I do the red. And push the limits of morality. I never thought I could go that far with another person before. Well, I'm not a person. I'm a And how his ruthless chain smoking. I want you to point with two fingers so it doesn't look like I'm holding a cigarette between them. And anti-Semitism. Damn you, Jews! Allow this humble motion picture maker from Missouri to rise to become a master of the art. So come see the whimsical world of that dastardly devil, Walt Disney, coming this summer. Wow. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like a good film? That's pretty <laughs> impressive. What do you think, Wayne? This person has a lot of free time. Yeah. How, how did you find the time to do that? I, I did half and the, of it. And the motivation. I did half of it four years ago, and I did the other half last <laughs> night. That's exactly how I did it, so... <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like, I, I start. That's why if you if you listen closely, there's a change in the dynamics of my voice about halfway through because I was on I was on the microphone that Wayne is using, which I found out is a dynamic microphone. I'm on a condenser of an SM7B. It's actually become the de facto podcast mic. Uh, it's like you know Joe Rogan uses it. Uh, I got it, of course, because Michael Jackson historically used this microphone. But Mona, yeah. But uh, uh, but what is it? Um, it's a condenser mic. And so there's a diaphragm in here, and the SM7B has a larger-than-normal diaphragm for a condenser, meaning that I have to move more air through the microphone to get it to pick up more of my voice. Wayne is on a dynamic microphone, meaning that his, the, the, the voice is being electronically induced by variances in a bunch of capacitors that, that, are, some, that are also attached to a diaphragm, but the responses in the diaphragm change electrical, electrical components inside the microphone which makes it more responsive to your voice, which is why you can hear him breathing and all of the noises that your mouth is making. Sorry. Right. So the thing is, is the first half of that was recorded back when I lived in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and, I finally, and I finally finished it last night. But anyway, the point is, is that this summer I'm working on the biopic. Also, it has that Macklemore song that was in, that's like the trailer for everything now because it has that, such that like... You know, it has that drive to it. And then all of those cliches, like nobody's like, you know, because you, you hear that in all of these movies. It's like, oh, my, who's going to use a computer at home? Oh, my God. Who's going to put a CD in their pocket? You hear this, like these stupid lines that were probably never said in reality, but they, they're so good in a movie because you all chuckle like, oh, I know what happens at the end. Uh, and so that's kind of why that's kind of what led that that's how why I wrote the movie this way. You like it? Can't wait to see it. I, I shared it. Yeah, it might, I I don't know. I mean, look, it's uh, this is I it's it's clean programming, but I think it does push the envelope of uh, potential slight uh, animal uh, something. Anyway, moving on. I'm going actually to take a quick break. But why don't you guys? Talk about something while I'm gone. I'll be right back. 
think we're just gonna sit here in silence instead and and medit and meditate on your biopic. He has too much free time. I don't know what's going on. I want some of that free time. I mean, I just, I have free time. I just choose not to do that. <laughs> I don't know where he finds the energy to come up with something like that and do all the voices and edit it. Yeah. Over a four year span. <laughs> I, I think the. Yeah, you have to want to provide entertainment to people. And I don't want to do any of that. You want the absolute opposite of that. Yeah. Based on what you expect. That, that's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's a hard... Uh, is it hard or does it just come naturally? It, it, I mean, it's, it's hard to want to produce all that. Oh, yeah. But to, to project... Oh, to not care? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... It took a long time of uh, the world breaking down my soul. Inevitable, uh, though. To, yeah, to get to this point. But it's, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like Nirvana. It's great. Or, uh, in, in um, intense apathy? Yeah. When, How much depression did you have to go through just to stop caring? Um, I don't know. Because I, I feel like... What if it's just a realization? Yeah. It I think have it's, to be depression. Well, there's a part of your there's a part of your career where you don't care because you just have to kind of take the stuff that's given to you. There's an, another part of your career. I think this is where I am, where I'm actively fighting against the bad stuff that I that I get, and I'm trying to make it better. And then after after your your will to do that has been extinguished by the giant forces that are pushing at you with the garbage, then you go to Wayne's state where you just are dead inside and you just don't care anymore. And you're just going to do whatever. You're assuming that this is career related. It might not be. Yeah, I see. I see it as career related. I see the progression, but maybe it's just a personal thing. It's well. It's more you learn where to fight battles and where to not bother because human behavior is hard to change. And human behavior is actually is hard to uh, adapt to, too, especially as a bunch of socially inept engineers. It is the hardest part of technology. Working. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't know if there's any other industry where all of the people in the industry have some kind of social impediment and anxiety with talking to people. Like, I don't know if there's any other industry that's just the majority of people just don't have people skills, including the senior people, including the people in charge. Like, it's like, how do you how do you cope? How do you cope with someone if your boss doesn't have people skills? I worked at a company where that's that was the case. And he just said a bunch of really bad stuff. And I that was it's not it's not good. Not good juju. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about some exploits. I've noticed in the past few weeks, there's a lot of exploits that have popped up more so than usual, uh, and I just would love to run through them and uh, just talk about them. Um, And here's the first one. Document management company left credit reports online. On the 10th of January, someone identified an unprotected Elasticsearch cluster which contained 51 gigabytes of what appeared to be OCR'd credit and mortgage reports. Which total, which with total number of records in the database of more than 24 million. The same, ooh, acting up again. I swear to God, if this stuff doesn't record properly, I'm gonna be so pissed. 
What happened? Why did I? What do I do? What do I do, MIDI controller? That bothers you? I'm so sorry. Okay. 51 gigabytes of mortgage and credit reports. At the same time, each record did not represent a single report, but rather different parts of the documents. OCR is the mechanical, uh, we know what that is. Uh, and, it, in, and it translated the data, the database into uh, structured data. Sorry, it's, it's, it transformed the scanned documents into structured data. Text, document name, page length, URI, client ID, API version, etc. These documents contained highly sensitive data such as social security numbers, names, phones, addresses, credit history, and other details which are usually part of a mortgage or credit report. This information would be a gold mine for cyber criminals who have everything they need to steal identities, file false tax returns, get loans, or credit cards. How much is that? I'm going to say 24 million files and 51 gigs? That's not too bad. They were PDFs. No. What does that come out to? Per file? Yeah. Just, uh, two, four, three, not three, four, nine, five, two, four over five, fifty-one times ten, twenty-four times ten, twenty-four. Looking at like two kilobytes. I mean, text is compressible. Yeah. Anyway, maybe it's only maybe it's not saving the PDF scans; it's just saving the OCR data, which would then be highly compressible anyway. Point is, it's not, it, it, the, I'm sure the amount of data that the the the, more, the credit reports contain is not that much either. It just you know it looks a lot bigger because of the form. But moving on, um, people are beating reCAPTCHA, but nobody's beating the CAPTCHA that I designed. Take that, Google. That's right. I made a CAPTCHA. It's beating, it's beating Google. I'm not kidding. It's on a variety of websites right now, and it, it, it's beating. It's, 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 nobody's beat my voice challenge with a 90% success rate because I don't have one. This confirms it. He does have too much time. It's, I made this five years ago. It's not a competition if no one's competing with you. Everyone's competing <laughs> like, with me. Everything is a competition. No one, what are you talking can it, about, Can a Wayne? human get past it? Why are people using yarn instead of NPM? It's a competition. Life is a competition. You have to be the sperm that gets the egg. That's how it works in life. Yeah, but no, no one is beating that capture if no one's using your site. <laughs> like, I, I could design something and say it's... Unbeatable. And no one uses it. It's the best capture of all yeah, time, right? I, I mean, mean, yeah, but we had. Well, no. The point is, is that we had a lot of spam. I mean, that were being submitted through these forms, and I designed an elegant capture system that beat that beats all the spam. We haven't. It had. I don't think it's had. I don't think it's had one false positive. You can geogate it. You can geogate the responses. You can do a lot of stuff. I'm not going to... I'm not touching this. Okay. <laughs> this is such well, a specious... University of Maryland research... And it's in PHP to make it even better. University of Maryland oh, researchers no. have given Google a welcome to 2019 gift by breaking its later recapture, latest recapture audio challenge. Have you considered uh, bots just feel sorry? For me? And they're just not going to... Yeah, you know. they just go, I'm, I'm not going to bother. Oh, he wrote it in PHP. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Forget it. Hey, hey, look, if that's what it takes, I don't care. It still works because I'm not getting spam or beaten 90% of the time like ReCAPTCHA is. So thanks to the changes in the audio challenge, ReCAPTCHA is easier than ever before. The code now only needs to make a single request to a free publicly available speech-to-text API to achieve around 90% accuracy. Thanks, Google. Yeah, thanks for employing all those PhDs, rather. PhDs that write PHP. That too. Developed. These capture systems. They're just employed, Eric. Exactly. No, but I'm over 30, so they don't want me. Oh, that's... That wasn't the music we were just playing, was it? Whatever. It's still fun. Here's a one. Here's, here's one. Hot tubs. You can hack hot tubs. 
Uh, you can remotely control your tub so you can heat it up when you're ready, but uh, that someone noticed that the mobile app didn't seem to authenticate users, so they pulled it apart and found out that you can just hack into somebody's hot tub. That's cool. It's got Bluetooth, I'm guessing. Or Wi-Fi. Or Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. Can you superheat it? I'm sure you. I'm sure if you figured out how it was communicating, because it's probably not even encrypted transfer traffic. Uh, you know, you could just you just tell it. I'd like this quote from the article. But that's not enough. I want to pwn them all. <laughs> wow, this person is probably around our age. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's no authentication to the API when remotely controlling the hot tub. So how did it authorize the user? That's really sad. Yeah. So, how many of these does a person do in their life? Like, you find you one say, of these. I have too much time. I'm not. I'm right. not trying. I mean, to this do has to take more driving on hot tubs. I mean, come on. You might find that the exploit is there, and you're like, eh, I'm not going to waste time doing this. What if you found out that one of those hot tubs was actually a hot tub time machine? That's a different story. It's, it, it just wasn't exposed in the firmware. It's just really low-hanging fruit, right? Because like a developer, they made it. They don't care about their job. And Apparently no, not. And no, no one cared. They just wanted this product out, and they did it. And someone with someone to prove something to prove, right? Found some exploits. And you say I have too much time. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Most consumer routers uh, have issues. Build safety of software in 28 popular home routers has two unsettling conclusions. One, an old, seemingly forgotten bug in the Linux MIPS stack has degraded the security of many access points and routers. We believe consumers should avoid purchasing products built on this architecture for the time being. How do they know that? Though the Linux ARM stack is completely unaffected by the aforementioned bug, many devices make uh, many devices it makes almost for many devices it makes almost no difference. Of the access points and routers we reviewed, not a single one took full advantage of the basic application armoring features provided by the operating system. Indeed, only one or two models even came close, and no brand did well consistently across all media models tested. These findings suggest an industry-wide failure to audit and test the security of the software running on these products. Indeed, our review shows that even the most basic practices are being largely ignored. Are you surprised? I mean, if you're... justify how many dollars to save in terms, of, in terms of developer hours. If you're the developer, uh, I mean, hey, hey, developer, we're developing a router. Uh, can you secure it? Okay. Um, by the way, make sure you read everything about Linux first and understand all the tools that are actually available to you before you reinvent this really crappy security system. Well, you know that they would hire a Linux developer, so they should already know about Linux and security. I don't, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know what to tell you. And their company won the bid because too they... Many. Lowest com yep. Lowest cost. That's what uh, they say. That's what they said about it, the about about uh, the spaceships. That, that's why what lowest you, bidder on the government contract. That's why you're you're too worried about losing jobs or developer jobs becoming commoditized. They already are commoditized. You just don't know how low the bar <laughs> is. <laughs> We found that nearly every binary on a MIPS-based device which impacts the survey in addition to infrastructure and security systems is still built in a way that results in an executable stack. This is a significant lack of basic security and safety hygiene. ARM devices generally appear to correctly have non-executable stack segments, as in they set the PT underscore GNU underscore stack segment, with the correct read-write permissions, which is, is, which is expected in basic security and safety hygiene for the rudimentary data execution prevention. I wonder if there's a performance impact. Yes, it, it, it there is one. It's just like the TypeScript hacks. 
It, there's one, but you know, you should still kind of eat it because it's much better. Just like maybe, ASMR. Maybe, maybe they were space, cheaping out uh, on hardware. Space layout randomization. There's a tax in that. Hey, but I that's, mean, you know, good so you can sequentially dump out the contents of memory like John McAfee thinks he can with iPhones. So, so maybe they were cheaping out on hardware and, and well, taking I mean, the shortcut. I mean, remember, yeah. they said home routers, not, and not routers, not enterprise routers, not power user routers. These are your cheapo consumer routers. Or possibly my, uh, my, uh, um... What is it? Uh, Empire Starfleeter of an Asus router I have there where I still have to restart it once a week because it has a memory leak. Oh, so, so you mean the demographic least likely to care that there are security vulnerabilities? And the most vulnerable And the most vulnerable are, are susceptible to this? Wow. Yeah, they should have a nephew or brother or cousin or other family member that knows about computers. That they bug on the holidays. Or just any other time. As my family always does. Uh, you know, that's one thing. That's one bad thing about your parents being divorced is that they have more computers that you have to fix. You'll have to fix them. Uh, <laughs> anyway. And they mess them up in different ways. My dad has been messing up computers <laughs> in exactly the same way for like the last 15 years. Where you'll go, hey, Eric, my computer's running slowly. First, his resolution is like, remember, LCDs are meant for one resolution. Unless they're like some crazy pixel doubling stuff. So he has his set at like a bad aspect ratio. He's like 640 by 480 on a 1080p monitor. Like I like I like the it makes the it makes the font bigger. Like you can just make the font bigger. You make the icons bigger. You don't have to make the you don't have to change the resolution. And then he has Internet Explorer with so many toolbars that you can't actually see the web page because it's only 480 pixels high on, on a relatively decent monitor. And then he's like, ah, oh, it's slow because well, you downloaded all these screensavers and wallpapers and extra cursors and toolbars and stuff, and you're wondering why your data is being stolen. That that's why you're getting bothered to help them because you say all this stuff that makes you look informative i i go well, that's yeah that sounds like a great idea i, I compliment them i go wow those are some great plugins really like bonsai buddy and your ie7 <laughs> comic cursor R really sick choices and then and then i compliment them and i tell them pop-ups are just like nice surprises <laughs> yeah. but how do you fit but they're asking you to make it faster you're gonna uh, have to fix it no, they think I'm incompetent, so it works out great. You know, Wayne, I, I would love to just, just peer just, into your life a little don't, bit. That's, just I, pretend I feel you're like bad. you have the opposite just, existence. Just pretend you're bad at stuff and then compliment their choices. Mm. Just make them think that they actually but really you, know But your family computers. know that you're not bad at stuff, well, right? they, don't, they don't know anything. They don't know anything Are about me. Are your family me. alive? Are you, you a drifter? You keep a strict Do you strict have people wall. in your life other than your girlfriend? Like, do, are you a drifter? Um... Is that how this works? We, I met, exist, we met on the street. Like, I exist I once in a while, like uh, like those cicadas that come up. Cicadas. Cicadas. Yeah. Yeah. Once every five years. Yeah, that's me. Right? I show that's up. Big, oh, 17, I'm sorry. Big, yeah, I show up every once in a while. Hey, look, I used to live in Orlando. It's They're no joke. Um, but uh, that's another story. Just don't don't, don't go to Florida. Well, I mean, simple. That's a multi. That's a multi-tooled solution. Well, step don't one, go to Florida. Don't don't complain to your parents about their choices. Just say, wow, that's really great. <laughs> and then if their uh, credit card gets stolen, stolen? yeah. If Why, it's well, how do you answer that question? Oh, tell them, wow, yeah, com things get degrade. You should really buy more computers. Well, I don't have any money to buy, buy a new computer. Oh, then you go, wow, you, you really need to make more money in, in this country. That's what we approve of. Okay. They don't really know. That's right. They don't know better. That's right. I should say. I should say, Dad, you're a white if, man with hair. If they, if they knew can, how uh, to use the internet, they would have found out you you're full of crap money, anyway. Even though you didn't go to college. 
Yeah, so. but but they don't know how to use the computer, so they can't prove you wrong. What's, it's what, it's a perfect situation. But you know what's hilarious about baby boomers who can't use computers is that they've stayed at the same level of ineptitude for thirty years. My because dad has not. He's been he's been not. I mean, if you think about it, like he's been using Microsoft Office since like nineteen ninety five. You think he's any better at it now than he was then? No. Yeah, but using he, Microsoft Windows yeah. since Windows ninety five. Like you think I, he's any better at? Well, I, I, no. I mean, Windows is a different. Like I said, he doesn't know who to ask, and he doesn't know how to ask he the asked computer. Me. That's what he does. Yeah, well, yeah. Case in point. And I give him the right answer. Maybe I shouldn't. That's the problem. Okay, moving on. Ninety minutes in. Excuse me. I'm sorry, Keith. I I, I apologize. If you look, I it's have an okay. air mattress. We can get more beer. You can stick around. There's a nice bagel place around the corner in the morning. Gonna be a late train and a late bus. You it's can okay. Uh, okay. You can you can go on my inflatable air mattress and can I'll I, give you can a raft. Can I, can so I ride raft that across back? the yeah. East River? That's perfect. And then again across the Hudson. I'd prefer if it flies instead of me actually rafting across. Well, no, the river. I mean, how is a mattress gonna fly with you we're gonna, on it? We're gonna do some incantations and we're gonna. That's gonna take a lot longer yeah. than you just taking the train, man. Or right. how about this? Stop living in New Jersey. I How's can't. That? I can't do that. It's just as expensive to live here. You're not saving any money anymore. He has real space, though. That, that's do you true. have real space? I have real space. Do we space. do an episode at your? Do you have a house? Yeah. You have a house. You have a basement? No basement. No basement. I've, I could fit three cars in that uh, driveway. Do you have lots of wood? You have a garage around your area. You have trees everywhere. Trees, yeah. Trees, real hills? trees. Uh, no hills. No hills. Where do you live? I'm not going to yeah, yeah, tell the entire, entire world. world. Hey, look, I mean, I, I basically <laughs> uh, say my address every every week. Anyway, okay, Italian oil and gas company contractor Sapi, Sapien, Sapem, sorry, Sapem. Uh, what was that Italian website that used to be, that was really funny to go to back Italian? in the day? It was, yeah, it was like, right? It was like, a, it was a funny, it was like power, it was power genitalia. <laughs> it was a company called PowerGen, based in Italy, and they had the ta- and they had the domain name powergenitalia.com. I'm not or Italia, excuse me. I'm not kidding. And when and when I was a teenager, and I was like, oh my god, powergenitalia, it's really funny. Anyway, <clears throat> it's still funny. Still funny. These all these years later. <laughs> anyway, not powergenitalia, but uh, Safem has announced that it has identified a digital attack. Oh, a digital attack against some of its servers. I wonder what a non-digital, an analog attack would be against them. If someone comes in with a box cutter and a Dremel tool, I'm taking out your data! Uh, on the 10th of December, Sapem published a statement on its website which revealed the attacks and said it was in the process of collecting information to determine the impact on its systems and the actions it should take to restore normal operations. This notice did not provide specific details about the attack. Well, that sucks. Quote, the servers involved have been shut down for the time being to assess the scale. Isn't that what Hillary said when they found out that uh, her email server was being hacked by China? I have no comment about this. And I'll take that as a yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, you don't have any comment about that? I guess it's pretty it's pretty vague anyway. They have an unnamed attack and their servers are shut down. Yeah, so, something attacked my computer is called accidentally going on Facebook. Oh, the thing is, no, but this is like a, one of those Stuxnet things because they're an energy company. So, um, like uh, for in the Middle East, for example, three quarters of oil and gas companies suffered at least one security compromise in 2017 and 18 that resulted in the loss of confidential information or 
disrupted the environment. Yeah, I would like to make a public statement that I accidentally left my computer unlocked and unattended for five minutes, so things may have happened. I'm still assessing the damages. What are you, uh, uh, Wiener? What's his face? Anthony. Anthony, thank you. Anthony Wiener. Oh, my Twitter was hacked. That's how someone sent a picture of my bulge to this girl. Oh, oh I didn't say anything. I'm <laughs> I left still... my phone. I left my phone on. I left my phone and my pants unbuttoned. When Wayne hey. walked away from his computer, I I went onto Slack and I typed a couple of, and it said, Wayne is typing a message and everybody was waiting with bated breath. Send a message. Oh my God. It's the worst possible outcome. You left me on red. I'm still assessing like the damages to my computer. On, online, Much like SAPEM is assessing the damages to their infrastructure. You shut it down and are assessing what's going on, just like Hillary's email server. Anyway, um, baby boomers in technology. It, it really is. It's nothing funnier. It's ironic, too, given the fact that, you know, Steve Jobs was a baby boomer. Was. All of the, you know, Gates. They're all, you know, they're all baby boomers. They were good. What happened? I remember there was this episode of Roseanne. When she had to apply for a job, and and she was, and they were like, "Oh, it uses a computer." And this was in 1988. And I'm sorry, I watched it recently. It's not like I have this vivid memory from when I was one. But oh, are you telling me programmers who happen to be baby boomers happen to keep up on top of the no? Skills? I'm saying that people who and have no, no, the people who have not accepted technology who are baby boomers continue oh. to maintain their level of ignorance. Oh, but you reference Despite the increasing number of hours companies. that should result in increased pro proficiency given the amount of repetitive tasks that they have to do and the fact that they're human beings anyway. Let's move on from power genitalia. Uh, March 2018. I don't care. There's too much. Uh, there's too much stuff to talk about. Android Trojan steals money from PayPal accounts, even with 2FA on. Take that, Google Authenticator. What? What do you? What do you think when pe pe baby boomers like doing manual things? What do you think happened when in slot machines they made it so you could effectively do 16 pulls in one run? What's a pull? Like, 16 pulls in one run? Yeah. Like you like could you pull the lever. Yeah, where you effectively pull the lever multiple times. How do you do that? You get sixteen arms. You, you can, can do that in the you, digital you slot can, machines. You can select. Yeah, you can select different uh, like combinations that the slot machine would go off of, but it doesn't really mean anything since it's just a program running. I, you know, you totally I sidelined me with that question. I have no idea. But, I, 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 but I'll tell you this. That's where my baby boomer comes I know, out. I want to be that grandma yeah. who's pumping the, pen, the the pennies into the slots in Atlantic. Cocktail, yeah. come on. Mama needs a new pair of shoes. Let's go. Okay. Uh, there's a new Trojan <clears throat> praying. You know what? Actually, <laughs> here's a better transition. Oh, it doesn't mix. doesn't go well with the music. Anyway, um, there's a new Trojan preying on Android users, and it has some nasty tricks up its sleeve. It's uh, masquerading as a battery optimization tool. It's called Optimization Android, and it actually uses motion sensors in your phone to send data, as in when your phone is not moving, it's not doing anything, but while it's moving, it's doing stuff. So you, it's harder to detect. So if you ran a malware program on it, and you would just like leave your phone alone while it scans, the malware's not gonna do anything. How smart is that? That's awesome. I love that. 
And it's and it's and it's a malicious accessibility service targeting PayPal. The malware's first function, stealing money from its victims' PayPal accounts, requires the activation of, of a malicious accessibility service. As seen, uh, uh, it, it, in the, if the official PayPal app is installed in the compromised device, the malware displays a notification alert prompting the user to launch it. Once they launch the app and log in, the malicious service steps in and mimics the user's clicks to send money to an attacker's address. Smart. So it, lo it logs their input and then replays it silently and then just does it rather than interacting with PayPal itself. That's smart. Because, but the 2FA codes, how does that, because that's, those change. Okay, users with 2FA enabled simply complete one extra step as part of logging in. But no. The attackers fail only if the user has insufficient PayPal balance and no payment card. No, but also the 2FA tokens change. So the attack would have to take place immediately after they log in, right? Because I mean, the 2FA, they, they change every 30, to, you know, they could change literally every, any second, depending on how you set it up. And so if you have 2FA with pay, oh, yeah. unless their two-factor authentication is, we sent you a code that's valid for 15 minutes. Here it is. It's in your text messages. They could do that. And then you enter it in. They watch you enter it in. They have a 15-minute window. They could do that. Well, it's it's doing it when they log into PayPal. No, but what I'm saying is because it says even with why did this stop? Even with two-factor authentication enabled, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. That the two FA tokens they change more rapidly, so this thing can't just keep doing its stuff in the background. That's what I'm saying. It it just needs to run once to transfer all your money away. <laughs> I mean, you just open the app and then you do your 2FA and then it presents itself as a fake, like, uh, what was it, the permission window. Right, accessibility and then, and then you do it. And if it sends all your money away, it doesn't need to do anything ever again. What do you think? What do you think malware oh my God. programmers... Uh, tell when they've been compromised i like this article went out do they send out their own memo oh we've <laughs> we we've been discovered we're still assessing the damages i don't know uh all right let's move on we've still got a few more and i have a feeling that the what if the automation track isn't recorded this time see what happens is this you see this pot right here not talking about weed, sorry. This fader right here is what controls the iPad volume. And because it's a digital mixer, it's it's, this is a MIDI controller that interfaces. It, it's a MIDI keyboard, basically, with logic. So something is messing up to where the, in, the, 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 key, the input that I'm, putting, that I'm inputting on the controller isn't being properly synced up with logic or vice versa. So it then moves the fader back to where it originally was. But I don't... But what happened... A couple episodes ago is that the entire automation track didn't record, and a symptom of that is it doing precisely this, which is pretty scary, because when I move it up, it moves it back. And I think it's user error. Uh, you know what? You know what? Let's, let's, let me do this. I know we're going on a bit too long, but just so I can have a bit of sanity. Um, where is it? 
Ah, here it is. You know what? Let me let me just take a uh, a quick break. Thank you for being a friend. Okay, and we're back. That's uh, like I said, we have that quest for pro audio. Oh no, it's doing it again. What the hell? Why? This is why I need to stop using Logic. Anyway, let's put the fun music back on. Researchers discover Split Spectre, a new Spectre-like CPU attack with a streamlined version and easier to execute. Uh, Spectre, of course, comes from not uh, for the was it a James Bond novel, I think, and it's it comes from speculative execution, an optimization technique to use to improve CPU performance. As in, they could probably see what you're going to do after. I'm sorry, they see the future instructions in the program, know what's going to happen, and streamline the operation before it's processed so it can then process quicker or delegate tasks to parallelize and then recombine afterwards. And because of that, it exposes information about what's going on in, office, in, in alternative processes or alternative threads. The vulnerability, which, uh, like I said, it's called Split Spectre, is a variation of the original Spectre ver uh, vulnerability discovered last year. The difference is that in Split, in Split Spectre is not in what parts of a CPU's microarchitecture have the flaw targets, but how the attack is carried out. According to the research team, an attack is far easier to execute than the original Spectre attack because, um, although Spectre version 1 is powerful and does not rely on simultaneous multi-threading, it requires a gadget to be present in the victim's attack surface. Google's Project Zero writes in their original blog post on Spectre v1 that they could not identify such a vulnerable code pattern in the kernel and instead relied on the extended Berkeley packet filter, eBPF, to place one in there themselves. In this point lies the strength of our new Spectre v1 variant, Split Spectre. As its name implies, it splits the Spectre v1 gadget into two parts. Researchers say the second half of this improved exploitation scenario can be run within the attacker's own malicious code instead of the target's kernel, simplifying the exploitation procedure. And you can see in this they have a comparison diagram where it's actually more, it's more of a streamlined process the second way. This attack technically extends the length of a speculative execution window, which is an instrumental part of the whole process, the whole Megilla. Uh, Haswell, Skylake, and AMD Ryzen processors are vulnerable. Hey, maybe that's why my computer runs like garbage lately. If you, I mean, I mean, the 30% slowdown uh, combined with the bloat of running front-end JavaScript. It says that makes so much because it's only recently, like in well, the last eighteen months, that this computer has started to significantly decrease in speed. Well, it, it says existing Spectre mitigations uh, would prevent this. Do you know what processor I have in here? Uh, it's uh, 2013 uh, MacBook Pro. Ah, you know what? I have it on my phone. Whatever. We'll save that for afterwards. Too much to talk about. Uh, there's a major SMS security lapse. When was the last SMS? Do people... Is that one of those, like, words that people don't use anymore? <laughs> Somebody over the age of 45 wrote this article. Or maybe not. I don't know. A recent data breach has exposed a database of around 26 million text messages containing private customer information. In addition to privacy concerns, the breach also highlights the dangers of relying on SMS messages for authentication. Hey! 
just like what we talked about. The breach was brought to, brought to life by a Berlin-based re security researcher named Sebastian Kahl, Kahl who discovered the, the Voxox, 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 managed database was discoverable, unprotected, and easily searchable for both names and telephone numbers. Since the server was still active after the breach was discovered, anyone could have monitored near a near real-time data stream to find the relevant two-factor authentication code sent after trying to log into someone else's account. Only after being by, uh, contacted by TechCrunch did Voxox take down the database. Wow. Silence? Nothing? We, we, I mean, we knew SMS wasn't secure for transferring these codes. Um, you can. There's a new protocol, uh, U2F, um, Universal Two-Factor. Uh, and it's one of those, uh, if you've seen YubiKey, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that dongle you put in your keychain, um, it just uses public-private key encryption. And uh, so... The thing about regular two-factor is those secrets are like plain text. You can use it like, I backed up Authenticator off of my Android, and now I don't even use it. I just run it on my computer against uh, huh. the secret to get a code, to generate code. And so if you have, one, if you have the secret, uh, it doesn't matter, right? And it's also in, in text. So if you back up your two-factor stuff to something like Authy, and if they were compromised, well, you've given up your two-factor uh, codes anyway. It's kind of like crazy hard problem, right? Yeah. Because uh, it's in, it's severely inconvenient not to have a real backup or, or to be able to transfer these somewhere else. But otherwise, um, it's exploitable in various levels of effort. Hmm. What do you think, Keith? Too tired to think. All right, all right. Well, then you know what? Why don't we? Uh, why don't we cut this short? We've talked about quite a lot of exploits, and there's still more. I mean, there's a ton of stuff. You know what? You know we didn't even talk about how like Apple blocked Google from running its internal iOS apps. Apple also blocked Facebook from running its internal iOS apps. However, Facebook did break the rules. You can't you can't be exploited if you don't do anything. Remember that everyone. Don't well, you, do anything. You can't in make life. an omelet unless you break a few. Don't eggs. have an account to anything. Don't have a computer. No one can but steal. He, but here's a question: When you have an organization, no, don't live in the real world. But like people can still steal from you physically. Just don't go out. Stay indoors. Um, bunker down. No one can steal anything from you. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I don't know what to say. If someone needs, if you need the internet, just at, just ask your like. Hopefully, you have a son like Eric, and then you just ask them because they're good with computers and stuff. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Like stumble upon. Um, it's interesting. Facebook, I think, uh, they they were a real offender because they broke Apple's rules. So it, I don't have any sympathy for them saying that they. Uh, that their apps are being taken down. One of their apps was called Project Atlas, which is a VPN that's, that basically records all of the data that your phone does, paying users aged 13 to 15 up to $20 a month, plus referral fees, to sell their privacy by installing the iOS or Android Facebook, Facebook research app. Facebook even asked users to screenshot their Amazon order history page. 
That's really upsetting that Apple would take away good job opportunities like this away from Americans. Yes, but uh, the way that it's, I mean, the way that it's reported is that also like Facebook had a lunch menu app that was taken away. Why would you make that an app? That's stupid. It should just be a website. Um, and then Google, I thought Google had taken their own app down, but Google also shut down, or Apple also shut down Google's ability to distribute its internal iOS apps earlier today, which was yesterday. The block came after Google was found to be in violation of app, Apple's app distribution policy and followed a similar shutdown that was issued to Facebook. Okay. Uh, that the app's functionality had been restored. Ah, on late Thursday, Apple appears to have worked more closely with Google to fix the situation, so it's not as bad as Facebook. Apple's move to block Google's developer certificate that comes just a day after Google disabled it. See, this is what I'm talking about. Google did disable this app. It's called ScreenWise Meter, which uh, I don't know what it does, but it breaks Apple's terms of service. Google also monitored iPhone usage with its... Uh, yeah. Take that. So, yeah. Uh, app- so, the app that didn't pay people and give them jobs got unblocked? What What a surprise. You're calling... Wait, I'm sorry. You're calling selling your phone data to Facebook a job? That's a, that's a job. That's a job? That's a job. It's not per hour. It was 15 to 20 bucks. Uh, hold on. Uh, per month. 15 to 30, uh, aged 15 to 35, up to $20 a month plus referral fees. Wow, that's that's a great job opportunity right there. It's more than your allowance from your parents. Maybe, or maybe it is as much as your allowance. Maybe it's less if you have rich parents, I don't know. You, so. you can buy some soylent with that $20 and keep you going for a good month. Yes, okay. Well, why don't we um, <laughs> end with one last exploit, and it's about hacking a Roomba. You can actually, and this is, this is pretty short, you can actually create a map for Doom, remember that game, using your Roomba. Uh, there's something called Noesis, N-O-E-S-I-S, which I don't exactly know what it is, uh, which I obviously should have known by now, but I don't. It's a premier search for commercial building equipment. No, it's not. Uh, well, okay. There's a lot, there, where'd this website go? I lost it. Hold on. I lost the, uh, the thing. Where did it go? Here we go. Uh, it'll track your Roomba, Noesis, N-O-E-S-I-S, storing tracking data, allowing you to visualize that data in a variety of ways, and, of course, Turn that data into a randomized Doom map. It would have been nice to get this done in time for Doom's 25th anniversary, but it came and went, and this guy was still waiting to grab a Roomba 980 on eBay. I guess maybe that's the specific model you need. I still had the idea sometime back in November. This was written at the end of the year of last year. Um, As his wife were pointing out, blah, blah, blah. Um, I discovered that the newer Roombas were making use of a pretty respectable slam. What is that? Implementation, S-L-A-M. Uh, nothing? Nothing? Okay, you guys thought knew how to write 
code, uh, that led to wondering about uh, what kind of data they can get out of it. And basically, with a few tricks and a few clicks, you can turn your Roomba map into a Doom map. I will give you $20 a day if you let me collect your Roomba's mapping data. You can do that. It's much less valuable than my iPhone data. You, you think so? And then sell them. What's a wad? Yeah. Dot wad. It's kind of funny. So, all right. Well, that's all the news that's fit to spit. We don't print anything here at Pull Request. 21st century production. So, uh, Wayne, do you approve of this week's Pull Request? Yeah, there are a lot of bugs in it, though. A lot of bugs, yeah? Like that. That was a bug. Yeah. A lot of bugs. Well, then yeah. why are you approving it? Because. Uh, you want to go home? We we have to ship. Really needs to go out. Oh, just like those home routers. Right. We got to meet really our OKRs. Yeah, exactly. Look, really you know, we've, go- got, we've got stacked ranking well, here at Pneumonium, and the bottom 20% of the people will be fired at the end of the quarter. Uh, my performance Pending bonus. Pending your Q1 evaluation. It's tied on this going out. The quarter, I know. Quarter. I know. But you know what? If the news story about the insecurities breaks in Q2, you actually survive. So you're fine. Yeah, because I'm going to quit by then. Oh, good. Well, you're an H1B anyway. So why don't we... <laughs> yeah. So, Keith, how about you? All right, one. Thank you and our wonderful studio audience. Yes. Uh, what happened to you guys? <laughs> all right. Well, then let's all hit merge. And we'll see you next week, hopefully, right here on Power Quest. This has been a Pneumonium production. The views and opinions expressed on Pull Request do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium LLC or its subsidiaries. This week's theme music provided by Volkpec. Visit them at V-U-L-F-P-E-C-K dot com. <laughs>